Welcome to the Cult of the Clock Tower. I am Andrew Nathanson. Every other week, a special guest and I have an in-depth discussion about a character from the game Blood on the Clock Tower. Today's character is The Apprentice, a traveler from the Bad Moon Rising edition, whose ability reads, On your first night, you gain a townsfolk ability, if good, or a minion ability, if evil. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I don't know if this is the first part of the episode, if it's its own episode, or if this is later in the episode. Uh, so I don't know what to say here. But anyway, I'm talking to Jams. Hey, Jams. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's good. Uh, we're going to be talking about The Apprentice, a very strange traveler that is also somehow not that strange because it's literally just every other character. But uh <laughs> So this is your first time on the show, Jams. Do you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Hi, audience. Um, my name is Jams or Jamie. Either one works. People call me both. Um, so let's see. Where do I even start? I, um, You might have seen me on my own podcast called ST Time, where I wax poetic about storytelling, sometimes with friends. <laughs> you might have seen me on the TPI stream and a couple of the other streams floating around. Um, and I also have done a lot of uh, work with TPI. Um, you might have seen me at Shucks most recently up in Vancouver, which was super, super fun. Got to run a lot of games for a lot of very eager folks up there. Uh, but yeah, I am a big, big clock tower nerd, and I'm super pumped to be here talking about this, I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It is both the most <laughs> mundane and like arguably weirdest and hardest <laughs> balance of all the travelers. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely excited to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, I've wanted to have you on the show for a little while now since, as you said, you've been quite involved in the community and I feel like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Apprentice, uh, we're going to go through this in kind of the normal show format where we talk about playing it as good and as evil. That's what we normally do on these Traveler episodes. And then I think we're going to spend a long time talking about it as uh, from the storytelling perspective because uh, it is such a strange Traveler just having such a wide variety of abilities. It's kind of hard to talk about it uh, in terms of actually like strategy advice for playing as it. So we'll, we'll try to touch on things and maybe call out any specific uh, interactions that we think are interesting for playing as that you might want to look out for. But we can't possibly cover how to play as like the apprentice. Uh, we can't possibly cover how to play like the apprentice tea lady versus apprentice devil's advocate versus whatever else. Um, there's just too many options. So we'll go over them in general terms as much as we can and call out anything we think is interesting. But I, I do think there are that. That being said, I do think there are some general play patterns that uh, that can be applied, kind of no matter what character you are, and just certain sort of ways that it affects the game um, that you should be on the lookout for. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I mean, I suppose we could go through every single character that you could possibly be the apprentice of. It we just might be here for a couple days, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like. It's 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 really interesting because it, I would just say go listen to the episode about that character, except that's not really true uh, because it's such a different dynamic. The fact that you don't count towards the uh, the number of players alive. I, let's just get into it. Sure. Uh, <laughs> you don't count towards the number of players alive for uh, the evil win condition. So that's a huge thing. So like all these townsfolk who, for instance, might want to like hide from the demon don't have to worry about that nearly as much because like is the demon really going to waste a kill? on you and like they might sure you know it's bmr there's lots of kills going around but i i think that that's probably the biggest thing is just like you can the town can get rid of you at any time and the demon probably won't get rid of you so it's like 
such a different dynamic from the normal um, way that it happens where you're rarely executed but often killed at night. Yeah, I think just the fact that you, I mean, starting, you know, if you're a good apprentice, you're going to have not just any good ability, but specifically a townsfolk ability. And which is super cool on one hand, because you are just, you know, a townsfolk, and you are a townsfolk on top of the recommended ratio of townsfolk to outsiders to minions to demons. So that in itself is a huge boon to the good team. In BMR, one of the things that I do like is that the ways that evil impacts information are not super poisony. So it helps a little bit because you don't have something like a Vortox where it affects everyone's information. But as an apprentice in a Vortox game, like you're a traveler, so your info wouldn't be changed. Whereas <laughs> in BMR, yeah, I know it's, it's, <laughs> we're already getting. It's total chaos. Getting into it. Yep. Uh, but yeah, at least in BMR, it's like your info is going to line up with other information that's happening. And so I think um, one of the things I've seen that I really like, I remember running a game, um, Evan and I at Shucks ran a 20-player game of BMR. So we had all five travelers. And I think we ended up with an apprentice chambermaid, which was really cool because there was also a, you know, a townsfolk chambermaid. And so they were able to kind of piece their information together and work together really effectively in that game. In general, I find that as a townsfolk, it's nice to sort of see how the information that you have or the things that you're learning from your ability line up with, you know, what all of the other people are claiming to have because you are essentially another townsfolk whose information can contribute to that solve and can contribute to what people are talking about and figuring out is going on in the game. I think that in general, when you have some way of like having a visible effect on the game that's when the apprentice is at its most powerful for good kind of a lot of the problem that you're going to be fighting with is that one extra minion ability is really it really can be devastating to the good team so a lot of the onus on you as the apprentice when you are good is to find a way to convince people that you're good or to just accept that the confusion isn't worth you being there uh, <laughs> so yeah like you can you can always just get yourself ex exiled if uh if you need to but I think that it's at its most powerful when you can find a way to show that you're good. So, for instance, if you're uh, an apprentice gambler and you can gamble and get yourself to die at night, uh, hopefully after gathering some info, you can be like, well, the demon probably wouldn't have killed me. And even if they did, that's not a minion ability in play anymore. So at that point, you're just kind of adding info to the game at no cost. If you're an apprentice fool and you get exiled, uh, I, is that even? I don't even think there's a way to fake that. Right, <laughs> like That's such an interesting uh, one. Because the only evil daytime protection role is the devil's advocate, who specifically protects from execution. So I'm pretty sure if you're exiled and you survive exile, I'm pretty sure that just proves that you're good. So that's maybe a storyteller note. Uh, be careful. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's one of those ones where BMR in general has a lot of abilities that are very funky with travelers. Um, I actually just had somebody uh, out of nowhere send me a DM the other day, and they were like hey, what happens when there's a traveler sitting next to a tea lady? And I was like, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might want to just kind of abandon the format of the show, actually, now that I think about it, where we talk about <laughs> these in sections, because like, I'm going to keep wanting to say things about storytelling. Yep. Uh, so let's just embrace it. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, there's lots of things to be careful of like that. Um, as a storyteller, keep in mind, you can choose where they sit. I think I don't actually know if that's spelled out in the rule books, but that's how I play it. Uh, so um, I would be careful not to seat them next to someone claiming tea lady, but like do it in a way that's not obvious that, you know, you're doing that. So, <laughs> yeah, I definitely um, so think people don't read into it. 
when, yeah, when I definitely think that when somebody is coming in, you know, after the setup has happened, and let's say they're joining mid day one or at any point after that, it's a lot easier to just be like, oh, um, why don't you sit between those two people so that I don't have any problems? <laughs> if they start the game there. So this is, this is a weird thing about the game is that there's a lot of things, that, like you said, though, there's a lot of things that interact strangely with travelers uh, in BMR, but also in other scripts. I think it's fine to just like make a call on the spot and be like, I'm going to say that these abilities don't affect travelers, <laughs> like things like the tea lady. So it's like, so don't read into that. Uh. Yeah, I completely agree with that from a storytelling perspective. And this was essentially what I said to this guy who had, you know, reached out and sent me this message. I was like, look, rules as written, here's how it works. Um, technically, the traveler could not be exiled if they were sat next to a sober tea lady who had two good neighbors. That said, like, if the traveler wants or needs to leave, like, they should be allowed to leave, even if it's mechanically like that does I, complicate things so and when you leave i think leaving is different from leaving dying, is different from dying. I, yeah well so it's super it is right because like you don't have a go you don't have a vote token yeah after you leave, because you right? just like, <laughs> so, so you can literally leave but if you are like oh yeah so I, I think you can leave rules as written leave. <laughs> yes, that's true rules as written you can leave but you will not be killed and i was i was looking this up i was curious so i literally went into the traveler almanac to be like what does it actually say and the rule book or this is the rule book there we go not the traveler almanac but they're both good resources um but specifically in the rule book it says the exile of a traveler quote forces them to die in the wasteland beyond and so because the tea lady ability is that it prevents players from dying and traveler exile is something that forces them to die rules as written they can be nominated for exile. They can, you know, receive enough votes to be exiled, but they won't die to the exile and therefore will still remain active and having their ability in the game. And if there any, if there any townsfolk character that doesn't have their own reason to not die there, then they're going for, well, like we already said, it proves they're good. Mm hmm. And at that point, everyone can just trust them when they say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm the minstrel. There was no reason I shouldn't have died. So a good ability must have protected me. Yeah. Uh, well, and and at that point. So strong you, because then not... literally <laughs> evil has to kill them in the night. And that's, yeah. So yeah, evil has to kill them in the night. Evil now has to get rid of this tea lady that's confirmed. The other neighbors also confirmed. It's just far too powerful. Um, I completely agree. Yeah. And that was. I, at some point, I, I kind of hope that they like do a revised rule set mm. that like addresses some of these traveler issues because this is this is in my opinion one of the one of the few places where the rules do kind of fall down a little bit um like i think they've been very thorough and like there's tons of edge cases that they managed to rule out but the travelers are kind of a, a big void in my opinion it's yeah it's really tricky because there are so many things and this was something that actually came up at shucks i think at one point when i was talking to a couple of folks about travelers since you know running games at conventions super awesome especially games towards the end of the day when we're running you know a big game that's experienced player friendly it's maybe a bmr or snv we always end up having a bunch of travelers in because there's just more than 15 people that are excited to play in that game, which is super cool. It's and like separately super awesome to just see that much enthusiasm for the game at these conventions. Um, but it does mean that we get a lot of questions about travelers. Um, and it's really interesting because we often, you know, people read the script, especially somebody who's played a bunch of TB and they're here, this is maybe like their first or second BMR or SNV, and they're looking and they're like, what is a traveler? How does it interact with things? And something that I, I want to say Evan said this, um, but whoever it was, they basically were like, you know, 
when Steve was creating the game, he thought it was really important to not be constantly referencing travelers, especially on the scripts, so that when you're reading through the script as a new player, you can process the characters that are on the script, you can process the different abilities and the different sort of basics of how the game works, but travelers are kind of a next step beyond that, and so it's it's helpful, especially for new players, to not have to worry about how travelers interact with the rest of the game you know, from the get-go, which I completely support. And I've even seen that because I think it's, I want to say Dreamer on SNV is one of the only characters that on the script in the character description specifically uses the word traveler because the Dreamer can't yeah. be travelers. So like, I totally get where it comes from. And it, does, one consequence does Minstrel of that. Also, oh, it might. Minstrel also yeah. excludes travelers explicitly, yeah. I think. But yeah, they, they kind of only call it out in like the most necessary situations. And yeah, as I think you were just going to say that new players will get confused by this all the time. They're like, what is this? I've never heard this word in this game before. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's one of those interesting things where in that sense, I think they absolutely have made the correct decision to not reference yeah. travelers. And when you get to the part where you have experienced players playing in games with travelers, there are lots and lots of questions and it's really important as a storyteller to know how you're going to handle those things. And I think more than anything, just to be able to defend your decisions and be consistent. Like we're all human. Storytelling this game is a very in-depth and complex activity. It's really fun. It's also a lot of work and a lot of different things that you're balancing. Um, and so my, my sort of take on it at least is that as long as you know how you're going to roll something, can justify why you're ruling it that way, can acknowledge that maybe you don't know the correct ruling or you're not sure how that traveler might interact with the situation that someone's asking about. As long as your players know and understand how you're treating that situation, that to me is the thing that's more important. Like if you have a tea lady in the game and they're sitting next to a traveler and you decide that actually travelers, like if there are tea ladies, like they're just going to ignore travelers. Exile of travelers will have no impact on tea. Like if, as long as your players know that that's what you're doing, that to me is what's important. So yeah, really does, I think, come down to just communicating as a storyteller, making sure you're on the same page as all of your players. Definitely agree. Uh, it's especially tricky. We aren't talking about the matron, but like oh my God. If you have a matron. They can literally just put themselves next to a tea lady and then do this. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it's bmr is a hard script for travelers um it's a really interesting script for travelers i can yeah i was thinking about the assignment of um apprentice to bmr because it's like apprentice doesn't fit that well in bmr but then i was like does apprentice really fit that well anywhere and it's like no not really so sure let's throw it on bmr where everything's janky anyway uh <laughs> yeah i actually i like it um in part, I was thinking about Apprentice and what some of the things that I like to put in when I'm storytelling. Like, what do I want the Apprentice to be an apprentice of? And one of the things that I really like to think about is how can you make it something whose alignment isn't super clear? Because I do think yeah. that that's one of the things that makes the Apprentice most unbalanced is when you specifically are able to identify that they're playing for one team or another. Because if you identify that they're evil and have an evil ability, like the easiest example of that is let's say there's been a kill that was very obviously an assassin kill um, and somebody has been godfather killed or something like that. If someone is then DA protected, like no one is claiming sailor, no one's claiming pacifist, no one's claiming tea lady, 
that apprentice is like, okay, well, they're just evil because there wasn't a DA and now there is, and we only had two minions. Uh, whereas same thing goes, you know, if it's a good ability, like you said, if they're, let's say, a gambler who are able to kill themselves in the night, then they're sort of obviously outed as as good or maybe maybe not maybe they were the assassin they're bluffing gambler and they're like haha no one saw this coming um but <laughs> yeah the, well it's just as that specifically the problem with that is like there's not very much value in an assassin bluffing gambler yeah i like i don't know maybe if they if they've been in the game a while and then they eventually take themselves out and sell that gambler info but it's like yeah Unlike other minions, I I feel like minions can actually pull that off in a much better way than the apprentice can. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it is really one of those interesting ones where I think um, there are some things that I can see like apprentice pacifist. I think is a nice one because you can proc it on somebody who looks super suspicious and then sow a lot of chaos around like, well, was it really an apprentice pacifist or are they the DA? And I think situations like that where you can create worlds for both teams to build where there are worlds where they're good and their good townsfolk ability is helping the town and worlds where they're potentially evil and they have an evil ability that's hurting the town i really like that as a way to balance the apprentice um obviously there's not an alchemist on bmr but the alchemist is another one that i see slotting really nicely into that where they have a minion ability they're gonna you know they may or may not claim to have that minion ability, but to people in the town, it's like, okay, well, we've identified that they have this ability, but that <laughs> doesn't necessarily make them evil. Apprentice Alchemist is like one of my favorite things. I really, <laughs> I've played as it. I've so story many told layers it. of ability. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's a sneaky one. Um, I think I had a game most recently when I ran a game with the Apprentice Alchemist, um, I gave them the DA, no Godfather ability. That's what it was. And they ended up killing the DA and it was super, super balanced in the context. Like, evil was absolutely stomping. And then they, you know, they killed the DA and all of a sudden things were way more balanced. So that was, <laughs> that was a, you know, a rare example of The Apprentice being an incredibly balancing part of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Something that just occurred to me in terms of rules, since you mentioned the Apprentice Alchemist Godfather, uh, or we could just have an Apprentice Godfather, is that is to note that even if they're in the game from setup, they are, still aren't going to affect the outsider count. So, well, they aren't really there from setup. They, like, join on the first night, I guess. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's... Um, it's th That's something to be aware of. Definitely tricky. Yeah, it's one of those where, like, if you were to put an apprentice in TB, you'd never make them a baron because they're not going to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely one of those things to be aware of. I think, thankfully, you know, on BMR, the only thing that modifies the outsider count is the um, the godfather. So if they're, yeah. that's the only situation where that's going to be an issue, at least on BMR. Um, and I don't, I don't totally mind it. It's an interesting one where if you... Yeah, it's it, yeah. totally fine, I think. Especially if they're coming in late and there's not the extra outsider that they often have. Mm, yeah. Uh, it's a fairly like low impact choice, which is often what you might want when you're adding in a traveler. <laughs> if there's not like an obvious way that the game is tilting because of luck or whatever, then you might want to have a low impact evil traveler and just throw in the apprentice godfather. Yeah, definitely. Like other things being equal, if things are pretty balanced, it's it's a great way to kind of keep things, especially if one of the outsiders is already dead and the other one maybe has some social trust. It's like, okay, they'll be there. They'll be able to yeah. help evil, but their ability is not going to be completely swingy and hurting the town in a way that wouldn't be fun for the players who are on the good team. And keep in mind also, you are allowed to duplicate a character yeah. for the apprentice. Like they can have a, a, the ability of another character who's currently in play. 
that's another thing you have to be careful of, but it also gives you the freedom. Like, there's never a situation where you aren't allowed to put in that apprentice godfather. You can throw it in even if there is a godfather. Very true. <laughs> um, this is actually something that I just noticed a few, honestly, a few minutes before we started recording this because I was like, huh, if I'm going to talk about The Apprentice, I should probably go back and like read the full almanac entry on The Apprentice. Um, but at the very bottom of the almanac page on The Apprentice, there's a little box and it says, you will almost certainly want to choose a not in play character ability because there is only one of each character token and The Apprentice needs to use that token. Um, and this surprised me. I mean, the part that there's one character token of each didn't surprise me. Like, I did know that. But the idea... Not everyone has two copies. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the idea that that is advice that is included in the almanac, I found quite surprising because that was something that was sort of constantly clarified for me as a newer storyteller was like, well... If there's an apprentice, they don't they can duplicate somebody. It's not like when you're playing in the game, if someone's in a double claim, like if an apprentice is in a double claim, they can still just be that character, but twice. Um Yeah. Yeah. And I I think I think it works better. Um I, I personally think that that entry in the almanac is not the best. I think it works better if it's okay and not uncommon for them to duplicate. Yeah. It was an interesting one because I was thinking about it and I really feel like online play is a huge part of why that has become as common as it has. Because when you're playing online, you can kind of add in an extra, you know, it's, it's very easy to duplicate a token and visually have that as part of your storytelling setup. Yeah. The, the other the other thing is, uh, like, if they come, they come into the game late, let's say they come into the game late, they don't know anything that's been happening. They don't have the benefit, like say, if you make them evil, they don't have the benefit of choosing a bluff that no one else is claiming, or they don't have the thing where they get into a double claim from early on. It's, if they accidentally just come in and say they've been given the ability of a player who's like confirmed and dead, that's not going to be a good time for them. And it's going to be a very natural question for people to ask them. Pretty much the first thing they're going to say is, okay, you're the apprentice, what ability do you have? So I think it's, I think, I think it works much, much better if it's totally okay. Like if it's, I wouldn't say common, but I would say not uncommon, which I guess means common. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it works much, much better if they do occasionally um, duplicate and play characters because that, that stops the, the evil apprentice from just walking right into that blunder. I completely agree with that. That's the biggest benefit that I see to it is that as evil, you deserve to, <laughs> to not get caught out on a bluff just because you have entered the game yeah. and someone's going to ask you. You literally know nothing. You yeah. Can't, you can't, there's nothing you can do to, like, you can say, oh, I don't want to say, but it's like, why do you not want to say? <laughs> like, yeah. Who are you Oh, are you evil? <laughs> Got him. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I think it, I think it just allows for more interesting and more, like, friendly to the traveler play styles if that's a thing that can happen. Um, I think the almanac advice is there because when they were writing that, they were really thinking about what tokens you'll have available. And naturally, they're expecting, like, yeah, for a new storyteller, referencing text on the tokens is important. And you only have one copy of each reminder token. So, yeah, you don't always, like, you don't always have to make them an in-play character. You probably shouldn't most of the time. But I don't think it's that hard to keep track of one. Uh, if, if you're such a new storyteller that you would have trouble um, with, with the, with, without having the extra tokens there, then be cautious about it. 
but I think that a lot of storytellers are going to be at the point where when they're running an apprentice, uh, they'll be fine just like, you know, knowing that it's uh that it can be a duplicate and they'll keep track of things in their head or just, you know, borrow some other reminder tokens from a character that's not in place. So they don't they're not gonna get those confused. Yeah. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's the same thing as if you're running a game of S and B and the philosopher picks something that's already in play. That is another situation where you aren't gonna have the tokens to properly mark that out on the grim. It happens part of the game and that's okay that's true but that's i feel like that's part of why the drunkenness from the philosopher exists uh is to make it so that it's like oh you don't have to place the reminders for that other character because their choices didn't matter uh, <laughs> very true yeah. um but yeah no i totally agree and you can still run into situations where their choices turned out they do matter because <laughs> because of various things that can happen barista for instance travelers ruin everything uh, <laughs> Oh gosh. Except they don't. They're fun. Uh, yeah, they're great, and we love them, and it's a nice way to include people in the game. Um, yeah, it's uh, there's there's just so much I think specifically with the apprentice because yeah, I the balance aspect of it. I know we talked about this before we started recording, but it merits being said on air that you know I was looking at the list of every single traveler in the game, and I can't, I truly cannot think of a traveler that is more unbalanced fundamentally than. <laughs> than the apprentice um and not even in a bad way just in a you know if you think about the way that the game came about and you have these predetermined ratios of townsfolk to outsiders to minions to demons for every single player count from you know a seven player game up through a 15 player game when you add an apprentice you are literally just adding one to the townsfolk count or one to the minion count and when that is a ratio that's been so carefully curated and balanced and playtested to make sure that it is as fun and fair for both teams as possible, and then you're taking that and you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to add another person. <laughs> that's completely changing the game and completely changing, you know, what evil has to go up against or what good has to deal with, you know, for the good team when it's a minion as, as that extra traveler. So, yeah, it's a really, yeah. there's, yeah, there's so much that goes into that. Do we have any more any more things we can say about strategy as good or evil? Um, ooh, yeah, actually. So evil specifically. I evil's an interesting one, especially if we're gonna talk about it in the context of BMR, because I see sort of two two things, two ways to approach being an evil apprentice, which one is, you know, the practical standpoint for those of you that are like really playing to win and really, really doing doing the logical thing. You know, you can go talk to your demon, find out who's on your team use your powers for the benefit of your evil team. That is a completely reasonable way to play. If you are the apprentice DA, um, you may want to know who to protect uh, in order to save your team. If you're the apprentice assassin, you may want to know who the minions are so you don't accidentally assassinate them. Uh, and then there is the chaotic way to play, which is also completely valid. I um, One of the things I love most about this game in general is that people truly are empowered to play how they like. There is no one right way to play. You can play very practically. You can play very chaotically. And as long as you are not you know, causing harm to anyone else that you're playing with, like go for it. Do, do whatever you want. But yeah, the, the chaos play and I think in BMR, let's say you have the DA ability, that can be super fun. If you just randomly DA somebody who is not expecting to not die and they are then super confused about why they have lived, <laughs> um, especially, you know, if a minion has like cold called a pacifist bluff and then some random good player just lives, that minion might look pretty good. 
Um, whereas <laughs> if you are, uh, if you're the apprentice godfather and you accidentally take out the, um, I don't know, the mastermind, the evil players might not be super enthusiastic about that. So there is that, you yeah. know, that, that <laughs> downside to the chaos play. Um, so I think, you know, as long as you're still focusing on the fact that like, it is a game, we are all here for fun and you're not, you know, it, yeah, it, it can be tricky because there are certainly ways where, you know, that can can make things a little bit tough. But I'm also, you know, I'm thinking about right now, <laughs> thinking about a game where, you know, the the regular assassin, not an apprentice, accidentally killed the leech host because he hadn't managed to talk to the <laughs> team. And so, like, it happens even when the evil team already knows each other. It's not the worst thing in the world. And again, it's a game. You just re-rack. You just play another game and it's fine. <laughs> but... I think what it comes down to is, you know, especially as 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 both evil and good, but I think especially as evil, like you are a traveler. Um, you're also still a teammate. You're still playing for the team that you're on, even if you are going to leave before the game ends, even if you've gotten there a couple of days in. Um, it's yeah, you're still part of that team. It's still good to play for your team and not just show up and play for yourself. But I'd like to believe that everyone enters the game with that mentality. So like, like we said, it's hard to hard to comment on the strategy um for a good player other than just like try to prove yourself or try to use your info the slight way i would modify how i act is just like if i am a chambermaid or something i'd try to direct the way the game goes a little bit more just because like it's you're less likely to get killed for that um so it's like i would feel free to and, and by direct the game i don't mean like bossing people around i mean like putting my info out there so that it can inform people's decisions on who to execute basically yeah <laughs> um Whereas if I were playing Chambermaid, not The Apprentice, I might want to keep that a little bit more quiet and build up a source of info before revealing it and then getting killed, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably be claiming Tinker or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. The, the, the other thing that I was thinking about, um, if you're playing as good, um, I do think it's, it's really worth paying attention to what minion abilities you see happening in play. Um, I know we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but let's say, you know, you, you realize, hey, no one's claiming any sort of like fool, you know, pacifist sailor type good ability that would prevent somebody from dying. And I've noticed that like someone didn't die to execution. So I think that was a DA. Like I think there's a DA in play. If the kill count feels like it has to include a godfather or an assassin, if you're able to identify, hey, you know, this is a this is a one minion, this is a nine player game. There should be one minion and we've only seen evidence of one minion, then, you know, obviously BMR has a mastermind, so that helps a lot because you can never really just straight up argue like I'm the good apprentice because you cannot see my ability in action because it's like, well, you could always just be the <laughs> apprentice mastermind. So I do find that helpful. Um, whereas in like S and B, if you, you know, if there's been a witch kill and there's been pit haggings um and then there's also it's a two minion game and then there's also a um i'm blanking on everything else that's on snv um Cernovus, yep there evil we go twin. someone dies e to evil men. Twin. <laughs> evil twin not, not the best not the best apprentice <laughs> choice to be honest can you imagine uh, well it's kind of nice because it's just like someone goes oh i'm you know i'm the evil i'm the good twin uh this is the she's like okay well um you can be exiled yeah that's this is why apprentice is well, not recommended I, for snb yeah I get, they can't be executed i guess that's the problem it would be kind i was thinking it would be kind of fun to have that happen uh and then and and just have it be like somebody the pit hag like turned themselves into an evil twin and then got assigned to the apprentice as their good twin oh my god that would be, that that would be, be pretty pretty uh, great <laughs> yeah but you can't actually 
like you, there's a safe way out of that, which is you just exile the traveler, which is not an execution. So yeah. Now, if you make them the alchemist evil twin, we're not going to talk about. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So if they leave, does good loot? No. Yeah. This is this is why we don't do these things. Um, but yeah. Uh, and that's probably why it's not a suggested S and V outside or traveler. <laughs> yeah. We have solved solved the mystery. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it does help a lot that BMR uh, has the mastermind so that that's never just an argument in favor for the traveler's inherent goodness as an apprentice. But I do think that if you are a good apprentice on BMR, one of the best things you can do is be really mindful of what minion abilities are in play. Because if you know how many minion abilities there should be in play and there's really only evidence of the number that are in play, then that is at least a little thing in your favor. Um, but that said, you can also do that as evil. You can be like, well, we've seen that there's a DA and we've seen that there's an assassin. So like, I really am the chambermaid. You should totally listen to my info that's real and not made up. Uh, so I think there's that, that can work, I think, for you on, on, both, on both sides. Um, and it's an interesting yeah. <laughs> thing as, as evil too, um, whether you choose to, you know, really hide your ability or make it really, you know, really visible, really really just you want the town to know i think um i've seen some really effective apprentices who came in and just da protected somebody or just immediately assassinated someone and then they were like okay bye like i'm leaving now have fun <laughs> and it can be it can be fun to do that um especially if the good team already sort of knows like let's say you come in on day three and good is like we know there's a da and we know that there's uh, we think we have a reason to believe there's a mastermind for some reason. Um, maybe the gambler gambled someone as the mastermind and lived, which I have done once. It was amazing. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, if there's if there's some proof and then you come in and all of a sudden there's a godfather kill, people are going to be like, hmm, wonder what team you're playing for. Uh, but yeah, it can be it's not not the worst thing in the world. So from a storytelling perspective, you can also keep in mind that you have options of other travelers to put in. As we've been alluding to, the the apprentice often has a pretty big effect on the game, and it's hard to avoid them. So if you look at the game state and you're like, I can't really tell which which team is winning, you're probably going to want to put in a good character, uh, a good traveler, in a relatively balanced state, I think. And putting in a good apprentice probably isn't the way to go because that's just going like like uh, extra town soul ability is very strong. So I would say the more balanced the game state is, the harder it is to choose to put in an apprentice in. And I would lean towards the other travelers, which are a little bit more low impact, um, or at least have ways to use them that are lower impact. Yeah, I don't know. Do you do you agree with that? Or yeah, I I, I, I completely <laughs> agree with that. I think the apprentice is, again, I, I, I stand by what I said before. I think it is the most unbalanced traveler in the entire game. Um, and so it's really, really valuable to consider you know, how balanced that game is when you're thinking about putting that traveler in. Yes, yeah, so something something you were talking about before we started recording, which I think this is probably a good time to bring it up since we're kind of wrapping up the Badman Rising discussion, discussion, is just having an apprentice as a traveler for custom scripts. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot of the times people don't think about which travelers they want with their custom scripts. So you have a custom script that you're playing and you don't know what travelers are good for it. A lot of the time people go to The Apprentice and I'll, I'll, do you want to explain why that's a bad idea? <laughs> yep. Um, it's like, I did say that and it, I, it, I stand by that. It is a terrible idea because it is, again, super unbalancing. I think especially, so 
you're starting already with a custom script, which may or may not be balanced depending on how much it's been playtested and, you know, how good a grasp of the game and the game mechanics and of balancing a game your storyteller has. You're taking something that already might not be the most balanced thing in the world. And then again, you're modifying that predetermined player ratio. You're adding an extra townsfolk or an extra minion to something that already isn't necessarily going to be super balanced. Um, it's something that I see a lot because um, I think especially, you know, less experienced storytellers are going to look and say, oh, well, all of these other travelers require me to actually stop and think about how they're going to interact with the game. Whereas Apprentice, well, I already know how characters on the script will interact with other characters on the script. So if I stick in an Apprentice, it's just another character on the script. But like that is the problem with it, that it is another character on the script on top of the ratio of characters on the script that you already have. And so, yeah, I think I... Also, yeah, if you're going to be storytelling, like, it is literally your job as the storyteller to stop and think about how things are going to be balanced in your game. So if, <laughs> if you're going to be adding a traveler, like, you should absolutely take the time to sit with that script and think about, okay, here's what's happening on the script. How do the different travelers interact with the things on the script? And then which one is going to be most effective and most fun for the players? It's, yeah, it's worth taking that time to figure that out. It's super important to do. And... I would say, you know, nine times out of 10, The Apprentice is not the right choice because it's not really going to balance things. And at the end of the day, again, if you're adding a traveler, you want to try and make that as balanced as possible because you're adding another player to the game, which is going to inherently swing things in favor of one team or another. So as much as you can minimize that, like that's better for you. That's better for the game. It's better for the players. It's going to be more fun, more fair, more balanced. And like, that's what I care about as a storyteller. My goal is always to make it to hopefully, you know, a final day, final three, final four, whatever it is, a final game state where the good team has the tools to figure out who the demon is and the evil team has at least one mechanically viable world that they can push where the demon isn't the demon. Like that's my dream final scenario as a storyteller is like I want both teams to have worlds to push. I want good to have the tools to solve and evil to have something they can do to make it like mechanically possible that someone else is the right kill for that final day. And the more things you add that make the game unbalanced, the harder it is to get to that state as the storyteller. I agree. And now I know you just said you should be thinking about which traveler you add, but I'm going to make the claim that if you just don't want to think about it, you should put the barista in. <laughs> Jack Broom would be so proud of you. <laughs> It has the potential to be incredibly broken, but only if you choose to make it so. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I do really like travelers that give you space as a storyteller to think about how you're balancing it. There are a lot of things you can do as a barista to, as a, as a storyteller with a barista specifically, to kind of keep things a little bit balanced because it's like, oh, things are really bad. Great. The seamstress gets sober and healthy information this night. They already used their ability. Oops, that's super balanced. Like they're just they're not doing anything. It's fine. Like good's doing a really good job. Like they don't really need that much help. I mean, I definitely I remember a game a, ga a game that I played in where I was I think the Poe and we had a barista. I I honestly don't know what script this was in, but I got barista barista doubled on a night that I was planning to charge. So I both charged and killed one. I think I killed one person. Hmm then charged and then the following night I got to explode and no one was expecting I was like oh that's not 
Um, actually, this is funny because this this is going to get into the Apprentice Fisherman, um, which I said I was going to bring up. Yeah, I love this idea. It's so good. Yeah. I'm going to use this. So um, the Apprentice, and this is a shout out to um, to Mozart, which is a small server where I play most of my games. Um, but uh, it's a, a small group of us, and we play a lot of different funny scripts and things like that. I don't remember when or how this started, but at some point we were trying to add someone as a traveler. And we, I think we might have been playing a sort of variation on the game where everyone got to pick their own ability. Um, but for, for whatever reason, we decided that the traveler should, should not just be the apprentice, but should, should specifically be the apprentice fisherman. <laughs> and so the idea was they're, they're not like they don't. Yes, fisherman is a townsfolk role, but they don't have to be good. Like this is an apprentice. And, and so for anyone who uh, doesn't know the fisherman offhand, it's. Once per game, you may visit the storyteller in private to learn a piece of information that will help your team win. Or a piece of advice, I should say, not information. A piece of advice that will be helpful to your team. Um, And so the joy of the apprentice fisherman is that uh, this is not necessarily a good townsfolk fisherman playing for the good team. It is simply a fisherman of indeterminate alignment. (laughs) (laughs) uh, An evil fisherman out there. (laughs) There might be a good fisherman. And so what I love about it is that it does actually retain a lot of sort of the original, like, what a traveler is where everyone knows who you are and what your ability is and the thing that they don't know is your alignment and so in the case of the apprentice fisherman everyone knows that you have the fisherman ability they just don't know if you're getting advice for good or for evil um but yeah so in in that particular game where i got uh barista doubled as the poe i we realized like when the storyteller woke me up to kill last night that that following night he was like, oh, no, one of the players that's alive right now is the Apprentice Fisherman. Like, if you if you Poe explode right now, the game will be over because it's just going to be you and one other player. And me being a sucker for a good final day, even though I knew that, like, if we went to a final day, my team would absolutely lose. I was like, I feel kind of bad. I feel like the barista ability sort of swung things in a way that wasn't fair for my team. And also, I thought it'd be really funny to kill my friend Alex, who was the Apprentice Fisherman, because he hadn't gotten his advice yet. So instead of killing the three townsfolk and like ending the game, I killed two townsfolk and the apprentice fisherman who was good and hadn't used his ability. And then we had a final three, which I, we absolutely lost. Like I got killed. I was the Poe. We lost, but it was so worth it. Um, but yeah, the, I, I genuinely actually am like a big supporter, not just because of the novelty of the apprentice fisherman, but I genuinely think it's one of the more balanced things you can do. Because, you know, when you have a storyteller dependent character like that, where you're, you're responsible, you're in charge, you have agency over the type of advice that you give, you can give advice that is vague enough that it is helpful for the team, but not so not so big that it's like you're a nothing character. It's still going to be helpful to whatever team you're playing for, but it's not going to be as swingy because it's, it's, it's vague. It's advice. It's something that is, is helpful, but not too helpful. Um, and again, I really like that it retains that sort of inherent travelerness of everyone actually knows what ability you do have and what you're using in the game. So, yeah. Yeah. Apprentice Fisherman. Shout out Very to the traveler. Apprentice Fisherman. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good one. I actually literally earlier today played a game and I had a work meeting. So I was like, I'll be the apprentice fisherman. And everyone was like, okay. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, it was it was a delight. On the complete flip side of that, I think the, the single worst experience I've had with an apprentice was a game where the apprentice was given the philosopher ability. I think it might have been a game of catfishing. I'm not totally sure. It was like one of those sort of 
custom scripts, but not too crazy. The Apprentice Philo, oh no, it couldn't have been because it was a choir boy. Okay, whatever the script was, the Apprentice Philosopher decided to gain the choir boy ability. They stayed for the entire game. I was the mutant, so I was good to start. I immediately got Fangu jumped like night two. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I'm the Fangu now. This is fine. Um, and because I had been sort of jokingly claiming king earlier in the game, the the real choir boy had come to me and been like, I'm the choir boy. And I'm like, great. I will time these kills perfectly. I know that we're framing the Raven Keeper as the the demon candidate. Like I like we have a whole plan. This is great. I killed the choir boy. I killed like everyone I needed to kill. And then like in order to get to a final three where the, basically like everyone knew that it was either me or this Raven Keeper as the demon. So I have to kill the king going into final three. And I'm like, this is fine because I killed the choir boy already. Like I can kill the king. This is something I can do. And then we wake up the next day and the apprentice is like, I know who the demon is. And I was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. I hate it. Yeah, yeah it was just... and. You know, it goes back to not just like thinking about what ability someone is going to have, but also what worlds teams are going to be able to build and how long that player is going to stay in the game. I think those are all super, super important things to consider. Yeah, that's, that's the case where mm -hmm. you don't want to, it would hurt the demons so much to waste a kill on this apprentice philosopher choir boy. Yeah. But it hurts them even more not to. So that's just like a huge, <laughs> huge swing oh, in the yeah. game right there. Well, and I think especially too, because it was like, if I killed the apprentice that night, then town had two kills left. And so it's like they kill the other demon candidate, they kill me, they win no matter what. So it just completely locked the evil team into a situation where like I either kill them and I die because I'm executed or I kill them, they learn I'm the demon and then I die because I'm executed. Like not, there was no <laughs> scenario in which. And so and it was one of those where I was just kind of sitting there being like there were so many other decisions that could have been made <laughs> that would have made this a more balanced game. And, and that's, it's always one of those things that like, and I think like, strangely enough, I actually think the evil team won that game, but it, it was one of those that really didn't feel like I won because I was like, this just, I feel like I won when I'm playing a game and like things felt fair and things felt like both teams actually had a chance. And especially I think with the apprentice, that's one of the most important things as a storyteller again, is to just think about, how is this ability that I'm adding to the game on top of all the other abilities that are there going to impact the information that teams have and the worlds that they're able to build? I think, I think the biggest takeaway is just be careful how you use it. Think, think long and hard about what character you're making it. Yeah, and, um, and when in doubt, make it efficient. Like it, yeah, it can, <laughs> it can be a really fun character, but you have to be careful with it. Yeah. It's not it shouldn't be the default choice. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It's I, I would really encourage storytellers to to think carefully about it and and if you're gonna put it into a non-BMR script, like really consider what ability you want it to have, why that's the right choice for that script, and whether there are other traveler abilities that will be more balanced in that same situation. Like the last thing I want is for people to, you know, think about the apprentice as the default traveler when you don't know what else to put because it is a really volatile traveler in terms of the balance of the game it can be really fun it can be really nice if there's somebody who wants to like i think especially in situations if you have you know 16 players where you have to have one traveler and everyone is really excited to play the game it can be really tough because it's 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 the easiest way to make somebody feel like they're still playing the game is to just give them an ability that's still on the script. But at the end of the day, they're still a traveler. Travelers still impact the balance of a game in a way that's unlike any non-traveler character. 
And these are all things that you just, you want to be considering as a storyteller when you're doing the setup and when you're sorting out what you're going to put in your game. Agreed. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on the show, Jams. Uh, This episode has gotten pretty long, so maybe it'll be its own episode. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for Um, having me. The listeners knows this. (laughs) Yes. Um, All right. Cool. What do I say at the end of these? Is this even the end of the episode? Who knows? Anyway, (laughs) thanks for for listening, everyone. Thanks for being on, Jim. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) 